Sometimes it takes drastic measures for God to turn us around and set us back on the right path. Has that ever happened to you? Has God ever shaken up your life to get your attention and draw you back to Him? If so, praise God. It means that He loves you enough to do what's necessary to bring you to repentance and restoration. It's a reminder, like it was for Jonah, that God never abandons you. Stephen called this lesson, The Prodigal Prophet Comes Home. In our last session, we saw Jonah thrown overboard. And now as we pick up our wisdom journey through this wonderful little book, we find him swimming in the Mediterranean Sea. But here in the last verse of chapter 1, he suddenly disappears in one giant gulp. Verse 17 explains, The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, I got to tell you, this is one of the most ridiculed passages in all of the Bible. In fact, over the centuries, people have come up with all kinds of creative ways to keep Jonah out of of the literal belly of a literal giant fish. One author uh, that I read argued that what actually happened was another ship named The Fish came and rescued Jonah. Another author suggested that Jonah swam to dry ground and and then stayed uh, in an inn named The Fish, where he recuperated for three days and three nights. Skeptic used to argue that the throat of, of even a whale was too small to swallow a person. We know today that the average sperm whale has a throat 15 feet tall and 9 feet wide, big enough to swallow a bus. Marine biologists also have learned that these huge animals have enough air inside their stomachs for someone to breathe, although it would be hot and it would be a very humid environment. Now, I want you to know, I don't need to know that a whale can swallow a bus to believe this. Frankly, all I need is the record of Scripture. And the record of Scripture says here in verse 17, let me read it again, the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. You see, the question, beloved, is not, is there a fish out there big enough to swallow Jonah alive? The question is, is God big enough to create and command such a fish like this? Well, uh, let me remind you, if our creator God is for real, this fish part is easy. Now, we're told here that the Lord appointed this fish. The Hebrew verb can be translated prepared or assigned or even commanded. By the way, this isn't the only reference in the Bible to God giving an assignment to a fish. Over in the New Testament, the Lord appointed a fish to gulp down a shekel. Uh, That coin was about the size of a nickel. So Peter could go fishing, catch that fish, get the shekel out of its mouth, and pay the temple tax for him and and Jesus, Matthew 17. And I got to tell you, that's my kind of fishing. 
Well, the book of Jonah is about to to use the same Hebrew verb translated appointed to describe assignments that God is going to give to to other things that he's created. Over in chapter 4, he appoints a plant. He appoints a worm. He appoints an east wind to blow into Nineveh. And I don't want you to miss the irony. Everybody and everything is obeying God's appointment except Jonah. Now, how long is it going to take for Jonah to get that message? Well, as as Jonah drops down into the belly of this great fish and he takes that first breath or two of this hot, putrid, humid air, he would have realized after a few moments where he was. And wow, what a what a realization that must have been. Jonah knows now that he doesn't have any hope. He's he's frankly beyond any kind of human help. You see, God is essentially allowing Jonah to experience a taste of what the Ninevites are going to experience in judgment. Hopelessness. Helplessness. He's overwhelmed, no doubt, with those thoughts. In fact, chapter 2 opens with these words, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. Now, we're not told how long it took before Jonah cried out to the Lord. Was it the third day? (laughs) Was it immediately after he landed in this dark cavern of a fish's belly? I, I don't think I would have waited all that long myself. But what we do know is that at some point, this prodigal prophet here finally starts praying. And his prayer is a wonderful illustration, by the way, of genuine repentance. First, he begins with with absolute honest admission. Verse 2, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, the grave, that is, I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and then I said, I am driven away from your sight. See, Jonah's admitting his sin here. He's acknowledging that he's justly experiencing the discipline of God. Now, his prayer continues here in verse 4. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. See, this was a statement of recommitment for an Old Testament believer. When Solomon prayed during the dedication of the temple back here in 1 Kings 8, he prayed, Whatever prayer is made by any man or by all your people Israel, each knowing the affliction of his own heart and stretching out his hands toward this house, then hear in heaven and forgive. So Jonah evidently had those verses memorized because he's, he's stretching out his hands, as it were, eastward. He's praying back to God. Get this. He's praying this prayer even though death seems certain. Now, now this is my opinion, but I, I think Jonah was never closer to God than when he was in the belly of this great fish. In fact, he says here in verse 7, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. You see, it's when Jonah has finally run out of hope, he's helpless, he remembers the Lord. What about you today? Perhaps you right now are in a a seemingly hopeless, helpless situation. There's just no way out. And like Jonah, you've started looking up. You see, when you run out of hope, 
Remember to look up. Remember the Lord. It just might be a time in your life when you draw closer to Jesus Christ than ever before. Now with that, Jonah is going to add thanksgiving and appreciation to his genuine prayer of repentance. He prays here in verse 8. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. Now again, again, beloved, keep this in mind. Jonah isn't thankful because he's back on dry land. He, he, he isn't. In fact, he doesn't know if he'll ever reach land again. But he's thankful for what matters most. You see, God has turned his heart from rebellion to submission. So with that, Jonah ends his prayer here in verse 9. What I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. See, you notice that Jonah is using the same vocabulary used to describe those sailors when they repented and began to worship the God of Israel. They vowed to serve God with their lives. Now Jonah is effectively vowing the same thing. Now maybe you're thinking, what good will that do now? I mean, what does Jonah have to offer the Lord now in the belly of a fish? Well, let me tell you, Jonah can offer the same thing you can offer the Lord no matter how far you've run from God, no matter, no matter where you are right now. Psalm 51 is that wonderful text where David writes uh, his prayer of repentance. He says this, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. You see, when you run from God, the devil is happy to tell you why would God ever want you back. What what good are you to him now? You have nothing to offer him. Well, let me tell you, beloved, that's a lie. You can offer to God what he wants most, a broken, a teachable spirit, and a submissive heart. Well, as Jonah offers up these sacrifices, God does something unusual. He gives this fish the biggest case of indigestion you can imagine. And suddenly, this great fish just can't keep Jonah down. In fact, verse 10 tells us, it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Well, there he is. The prodigal prophet has returned home by whale express. But let me tell you, the most amazing miracle here in Jonah chapter 2 isn't Jonah's ride in the belly of a fish back to land. It is the restoration of Jonah's heart back to God. You see, God's wayward servant has come home. He's revived, he's restored, and he's even re-enlisted here as a prophet of God. Well, we'll leave Jonah here for now. He's soaking wet. He's on the side of the Mediterranean Sea, and I can tell you there's a great crowd, no doubt, gathering. Until our next wisdom journey, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Stephen called today's lesson, The Prodigal Prophet Comes Home. The Wisdom Journey is produced by Wisdom International. I invite you to join our global prayer team as we pray that God will use the power of His Word to transform lives. 
We also want to learn how we can pray for you. Visit wisdomonline.org forward slash prayer to learn more about this. Then join us next time on this wisdom journey.